Hi, it's Shana here. Before this episode starts, I'm popping in with a quick reminder about our upcoming CEU on Thursday, May 16th on a person-centered approach to behavior management. School taught us a lot about ABA. However, the thing with ABA is that it's a science and it's constantly evolving. So a lot of what we learned back then doesn't always apply now. Today, we want to use a person-centered approach to behavior management, um, but what does that look like and how can our learners still make progress in this kind of approach? So join us live on Thursday, May 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time as Shira discusses how to use a person-centered approach to behavior management with your learners. This CEU is presented by our very own Shira Karpel. You can earn one learning CEU for ACE, QABA, or IBAO. Join us live at this event or to watch the recording asynchronously, go to howtoaba.com forward slash CEU. See you then. Hi, I'm Shira Karpow. And I'm Shana Gaunt, and we're board certified behavior analysts. At How To ABA, we provide practical resources, community, and support to ABA professionals. In each episode of our podcast, we will be having real conversations with real people sharing real stories about ABA. We'll share relevant strategies and actionable tips that will make us all better ABA practitioners. It's the ABA content you need that you're not going to learn in a textbook. Hi, everyone. On today's podcast, we are actually answering a question from the community that came through our website. The question was our opinion on ACT and AIM. Um, You know, we do love our acronyms in our field. So let's just say what that means. ACT is Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, um, which is kind of a branch of behavioral psychology that has been adapted by the ABA field. you know, the parents of ACT do have a lot of crossover with the field of ABA. And then AIM stands for Accept, Identify, Move, which is an ABA curriculum that is also based on ACT. So sure, I think we should actually start off by saying we are not experts in this field whatsoever. Uh, My university professor was Linda Hayes, who works with Stephen Hayes, who developed ACT, but you'd think I'd retain a lot of what ACT was? No. Um, I've gone to conferences, you you know, both attended conferences, and we're coming at you from our conference background on ACT. And just what we've used in the field. So, you know, I can't and I don't feel comfortable talking about the hexaflex and what that looks like, etc. But what I really did love about the conference that I attended was something called the Acts of Values Matrix. I don't know if anyone's ever seen this or not, but I love it. It's a box. So if those people who are listening to this podcast, it's a box. If you fold up a piece of paper into four squares, you know, you look at that bottom right-hand corner, uh, sorry, bottom left-hand corner. And that's where you start. And basically the first square would be, you know, what your values are, right? Just what matters the most to you? What matters, um, you know, related to, I don't know, something. And then why are you doing what you're doing in the first place? Um, And that would be your bottom square. Now, Shira, let's, why don't we give some examples on who we would use this for? Because, you know, you're not using this on your average ABA kid. So average ABA kid, what, what, what are your values? What matters the most to you? It doesn't really work that way. Well, I think, yeah, let's take a step back and um, talk about what I love about this movement is that 
ABA really doesn't answer all our questions, right? Not everything can be solved by our typical behavior analysis, you know, tools in our toolbox. And we constantly need to expand what it is that we offer. And even though I, I'm not fully comfortable, you know, using ACT, I love being able to learn about it and being able to add these tools into my toolbox because I do see the value in expanding what we can do and incorporating more principles. Now, I have experience with lots of kids that ABA works really well on. Uh, we're talking about, you know, typical ABA where you talk about reinforcement and token boards and visuals and all of those things. And those work really well. You can use BST for those kids and you can explain to them why they should say hello when someone comes into the room, explain to them how to say hello and then reinforce them for saying hello. You know, that works really well. They may just not have known that that was the rule. And then there are those individuals. Um, they're not always children. A lot of times they might be a little bit older, a little bit savvier, a little bit more experienced where, this really doesn't work with them. You know, like the typical, you know, social skills, reinforcement, shaping, differential reinforcement, all that stuff just doesn't seem to work. You know, there's a lot of private events at play. There's a lot of other things that that work against what we're trying to, to use. So a lot of times you have to tap into some reinforcement that's a little bit deeper. And that's where the values comes in. That's where we want to get into some of that internal uh, reinforcement, what really motivates you? Because we can say, well, you know, if you want to have friends, then you need to play nicely together. And the individual could say, I don't want to have friends. So then, you know, we could continue to offer that external reinforcement and continue to reward and reinforce and, and go down that road, but it's not really going to work if it's not part of their values. So that's kind of what I like about the whole act movement is that, it's, it's going a little bit deeper for us as ABA professionals. We have to think about, well, what's really in it for them beyond this external reinforcement that I'm offering them. Um, and it is for those individuals who need that, who the, the typical procedures don't really work. It's the kids who have a lot more social savvy, have a lot more know-how, have, a, have maybe a little more resistance to the typical things, but it's also for any of us, our staff, the parents that we work with, I think that that was a really nice message that we came out of the conference with was it's not just for, you know, the individuals, but it's for all of us to be able to tap into our own values and why we do what we do. Okay. So that being said. <laughs> Thanks. I should probably have gone through that background first, um, but you're right, Sherry. You know, what I love the most about this is that it's taking that external reinforcement that ABA gets such a bad rap for. So, hey, great job. You can have a chip. You can have an m and Like, I hate that. Um, and that's really not what ABA is about anymore. But it's about getting that internal reinforcement that, hey, what motivates me? Why am I doing this? And, you know, for those people who are a lot more mild on the spectrum and have the language and have that comprehension, we can have those conversations with. Um, I can also have those conversations with staff members. And I've used this um, with RBTs who I supervise. Um, so for instance, with an RBT, I can sit down and say, okay, well, why are you doing this? What are your values related to ABA? What are your values related to this organization? You know, what are your values related to the kids you work with? So essentially, why are you doing this? Why are you doing what you do? Um, alternatively, I've sat down with an individual I work with who's 20 something and he just moved out. He's living semi-independently and it's so awesome. And he doesn't need like first do your chores and then you get what? Like I'm not paying you to do your chores. I'm not giving you something to do your chores. You need to do your chores because your house is going to be a mess otherwise. So, you know, we sat down with him and we asked him, well, what are your values 
related to your house? And what does it mean to you to live independently? What are your values related to that? So that's what that bottom corner would be. So, you know, the bottom right-hand corner, I always say that's bottom, yeah, bottom right-hand corner um, is where you would ask, what are your values? That's the first step, you know, and then moving over to the bottom left-hand corner, which would be kind of what's getting you away from your values. So what are your values? Awesome. Well, what's what's moving you away from your values? So as an RBT, for instance, you know, you love the field of ABA, you love where I'm putting words in people's mouths now, but you you really love doing what you do. You love seeing the progress and the people you work with. Um, you love all that. What's moving you away from your values? Maybe you have a horrible boss, although you'd probably never say that if I was your supervisor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you wouldn't say to my face anyways. Um, but, you know, maybe you have, you know, you're having a tough day. Maybe there's a really tough parent who, you know, keeps asking you for X, Y, and Z, and you don't know how to handle it. Um, maybe you have poor supervision. Um, maybe what else could be moving you away from your values? Maybe you've just got way too much to do. You just have too many tasks that you really can't focus in on your client. Um, so all of those things are moving you away from your values. Um, you know, in my example of my 20-something-year-old living independently, well, what's moving him away from, he wants to be in semi-independent living, you know, he should be doing his chores, he needs to keep his house looking good so that he can continue to live there and not live where it's disgusting. Um, And that's what he wants, but, you know, what's moving him away from that might be um, competing reinforcers, which he would never come up with that term, but he might say, well, you know, the iPad's right there, you know, I love getting on it and surfing the internet, or, you know, I really love just lounging on the couch and and doing this, or, you know, I'm I'm just really super busy these days. And that's what, that's why I'm not doing this kind of stuff. So all of these things that you look at and say, what's, what's, you know, moving you away from that? Um, And then if you go up one, um, so you're now at the top. So instead of moving away from your values, you're still, so you're, you're going up and instead of just saying, okay, well, you know, here are some things, here's how I feel about when I move away from my values, we're going to operationally define that. And we're going to say, what behavior do you emit on your worst day ever? So it's not just about what are your thoughts and feelings around that, but what behavior do you admit? So, so what you know, what do you see yourself doing when you're having these negative feelings, et cetera? So, you know, as an RBT or even as a BCBA and you're really stressed out, you love your job, but it's really stressful. On my worst day ever, um, I am actually literally probably going, oh, I can't stand that person right now, which falling in sick, sleeping in. (laughs) That's it. You know, pressing that snooze button for the fourth time, Um, all of those things, right? Or, you know, maybe, you know, having a slower ABA session because you're trying to multitask and then the the ABA session isn't going well. Um, All of those things, you know, for, you know, someone, um, you know, like I said, my 20 something year old, you know, what behavior is he admitting on his worst day ever? Um, He wouldn't call it his worst day, but he would be lounging on the couch watching a movie instead of doing his chores. Um, That could be a bad day, or it could just be like, you know, my worst day ever is I'm, you know, living and having to move, uh, you know, move away like a whole bunch of dirt or a whole bunch of stuff that's sitting on the bathroom counter because I can't wash my hands without, you know, getting my stuff because it hasn't been put away. Um, So you're operationally defining that. And that's where the ABA comes in. It's not just about, okay, well, how do you feel? But it's about, let's see if we can operationally define those feelings. Um, And then in that last box, so that last box, I don't know if anyone's still with me from a verbal standpoint here, but that that last box, which is the fourth box, and it's kind of the the upper corner on the right-hand side, it's really about what behavior do you admit on your best day ever? So going back to those values and you say, okay, here's my values. And when I'm in it and I'm in the game, here's what I do. 
So, you know, for instance, like as a an RBT, well, you know what? I'm really motivated. I wake up early. I'm 20 minutes early for work and I set up my stuff. Um, my other best day ever is that, you know, I'm, you know, rocking my ABA session. How do you define that? I am, you know, got all my materials organized. I'm graphing properly, this, that, and what have you. Um, that's like a really great day for me. You know, from a 20 something year old in his own apartment, you know, my best day ever is actually when I go through my chore list and I get everything checked off and I do my stuff and I do my stuff even, you know, before noon. This is great. Um, and that's what your best day ever is. And, you know, this values matrix is, excuse me, really supposed to just be a way to recognize your thoughts, your feelings, what are your values, discuss, discussing, you know, what's keeping you towards your values, what's moving you away from your values, and then figuring out how you operationally define that. Um, and that's really what the values matrix is supposed to be about. Now, we took it and Sharon and I actually added one extra box to it. Um, and the one extra box is basically like based on this exercise and based on this talking and, you know, what we could come up with, let's come up with one committed action. So, you know, that box number five is, okay, based on your, you know, worst day ever behavior, best day ever behavior, what's that committed action that will bring you closer to your values? So as an RBT who has, you know, is overworked and, you know, is feeling feeling overwhelmed, what's one committed action that you could do? Um, and that RBT might say, well, I want to do this and this and this. No, 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 no. One. Let's pick one and just start slow, right? We're systematically increasing what we're doing here. So, you know, the one goal that this RBT has should be observable and measurable. And maybe that is, you know what? I'm only going to check my email once a day. I'm going to check my email at 3 p.m. Or I'm going to put an out of office on my email and then devote from 3 till 4 p.m. only to respond to email. And that's it. Um, and that might be that person's committed action. Um, you know, in the case of my 20 something year old, his committed action. Um, was basically like, listen, write down a chores list. I'm going to have a chores list with no more than three chores on it per day, divided up for the whole entire week. And I'm going to do my chores the first thing when I wake up. And that's what he does now. He wakes up and he does his chores right away. He doesn't want to chill out. He doesn't want to do anything. He gets up, he gets his chores over with, and he's got the rest of the day to do whatever he needs to do. And then he doesn't forget about his chores. So it's pretty cool how you can go through this. So in ABA terms, we'd also call that a replacement skill, right? For any uh, behavior that we want to decrease, we have to be teaching an alternative replacement skill. So if you're saying, well, I'm really struggling with getting my chores done. Um, so often we come up with the replacement skill, you know, as the BCBA or the ABA professional, we're saying, well, you know, instead of running out of the classroom, this student is going to have to sit at his desk. That's the replacement skill. They're going to have to raise their hands and ask to leave. What I love about this process is that it's, it's so much more coming from the individual versus coming from us as the professionals deciding what the replacement skill is. Um, and it's really more of a collaborative process in helping them tap into their values and their reinforcement. Um, with the examples that we discussed, those really are you know, values that someone might have. But if you're working with a student who might be a little bit younger, but still fits into the profile of who could benefit from this, you could even use the actual reinforcement as the value. You know, like they really just want to access extra TV time. Their value could be, I want to watch more TV, you know, at the age of eight, that's okay. They don't need to have, you know, values to change the world at that age. You know, our values might be to like my job and to have relationships and all of those, you know, really lofty things. But for our younger kids, it's okay to do this matrix with the value of an external reinforcer. And then we help walk them through, well, 
How do you think that your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are moving you away from getting extra TV time? Well, I don't clean my room. I yell at my mom and I get really frustrated. Well, those are moving you away from your value. And now how can we help you identify the things that can help you move towards your value? And those might be like, like Shana said, picking that, those committed actions that are going to get you further and closer, um, closer to your value, which could be your, your reinforcer. Um, now to talk a little bit about the AIM curriculum, which is what, what we've been discussing till now was the principles of ACT that we put it, you know, they talk about the matrix and we've talked about all of that. Um, now the AIM curriculum was designed by Mark Dixon. Uh, Dr. Dixon and his team kind of took the principles of ACT and put them into a daily curriculum. So I know that he works a lot in schools and it really is designed to work in a school system. Um, I do use it in a lot of the classrooms that I work in and it, it works in a classroom setting because you have the constant follow-through and the daily lessons. So he brings in, there's hundreds of lessons um, and you could do level tier one, two, or three. And they're lessons that kind of bring act to life. It's a lot of metaphors, a lot of experiential learning. Um, you know, I know one thing, for example, one exercise might be taking a marker and writing your biggest worries, um, you know, on a balloon and then trying to like erase it um, or, you know, popping the balloon. And so it's kind of using these metaphorical experiences to help work through some of those barriers, right? Those things that are moving you away from your value. And so they're daily exercises with very easy to follow. Um, there's workbooks that the kids use. So it's kind of like journal activities that come along with it. There's a little bit of like meditative practice that comes along with it. And I think if you have the right environment and the right students, it really is a great application of ACT. Um, oh, it also comes with, which is really nice, is data tracking, right? The thing missing probably from the ACT that maybe makes us a little uncomfortable um, is the data collection. And AIM does a really nice job of creating like a point system and data tracking system based on uh, based on the Hexaflex and the lessons. So it is a really nice integration of kind of all the pieces in a way that makes it really uh, observable and measurable and comfortable for us behavior analysts to have all that data around. Um, the other one I wanted to mention is I've been looking into this product, which is DNAV. Um, which is also based on ACT, and it has a bunch of social skills lessons that are, are really overlap well with the whole ACT um, curriculum. The D stands for discover, the N is notice, the A is advise, and the V is value. So it also works with these social skills lessons to help kids that are more, um, you know, teenagers, higher functioning for lack of a better term, but kids that really need to manage their emotions, it says, and build resilience. So it's not kids that need social skills. You know, it's not the kids that don't know that they have to greet someone when they walk into a room, but it's the kids that are struggling with reaching their goals, feeling good about themselves, managing their emotions. And so using this kind of curriculum, we can help them identify their values um, identify that like advisor that might be their thoughts and emotions that are getting in the way of their values, notice those thoughts, and then discover those behaviors that can help move us towards our values or away from our values. What's that book called again, Shira? 
This book is called Your Way, Your Life, and it is based on the DNAV model. So I recommend looking into that also if you're looking for the ACT curriculum as it relates to social skills. Um, but for anything more, you know, individual on a one-on-one basis, check out our matrix or, you know, we'll add to the, to the show notes and to our website where you can access the matrix that we developed so that you can take, you know, whether it's coworkers, yourself, your family members, or the individuals you work with through this matrix. It's a great practice activity. Do it on yourself. That was what, when we were at the conference, um, I think it was like a five-day training. It was pretty intense. And one of the messages that I came out with was they were always just saying, do it on yourself. Like, if you take one message from this at the end of the day, you can find what your values are, find what's moving you away from your values and choose some committed actions that'll move you closer to your values. And the more that we think about this and can do these you know, exercises on ourselves, um, the easier it will be to then use some of these exercises on the individuals we work with. And I've used this values matrix on myself numerous times for different values. So, you know, what are my values related to my job? And I can go through that myself, but I can also say, well, what are my values related to my family? You know, what are my values related to, you know, X or Y or Z, right? And, you know, going through it that way as well. So it's not just related to specifically ABA or your job. Um, And I love it. I go through it and, you know, (laughs) I have to make a note on my calendar to do it because I forget. Um, But my committed action is that I put something on my calendar once every three months to go through this and really review it. Yeah. And even if you're not using it as a, you know, a a teaching tool or instructional tool, um, learn about it because I mean, I personally find it so interesting, just the concept of like fusion and diffusion and present moment and being able to be present and understand that you are not your thoughts and that, you know, the whole concept of self as context really is, is a myth that we tell ourselves. Um, so all of these things are just so interesting and I think it will make us better people, even if we're not using them, you know, with our clients, but once you are more comfortable with them, I think that you will learn a lot and be able to use some of these with, with the individuals we work with. Thanks for joining today's conversation. Wherever you get your podcast, please go and subscribe, rate and review so others can find out about us too. For more from How to ABA, including free resources and ABA materials, visit our blog at howtoaba.com. And make sure that you're following us on social media for more practical tips and updates.